it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tata PTM. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. I'm Justin. I'm in LA. I've got Mike over in England. Hello. What's up, dude? Yo, yo. How's it going? Good. How you doing today? Good, man. Good. You ready for this topic? I'm I'm ready, but I'm I'm nervous. You know? Me too. It's a very, very tough one. So if you've been listening to all the episodes of the pod, Handful of episodes back, we did top five Desert Island albums. So today, we're sort of continuing that series, and we're doing top five Desert Island movies. And if you remember from the albums episode, that was like one of our hardest ones to make the choices. This one, I think, was even harder. Topped it. Hardest. Number one hardest for sure. crap. How do you only pick five? Five that you're going to have for the rest of your life on this deserted island. You have to, there's so much that goes into it. What type of films do you want when you're just in solitude? Are, is it just all your favorite movies ever? Or do some movies get on that, that you love, but maybe aren't even in your top 10 movies. And it's, it really got fucking interesting for me at least. Yeah, I think, you know, what was interesting about the music one was that we sort of discovered that we had similar emotions for a lot of our picks. Not really similar picks at all, but similar type of needs we were trying to fill. I do not think that will be the case with this one. I have a similar feeling. Just just an intuition. So, we're going to get into that in a sec, but before we do... We're going to talk about our spotlight of the week. So there's someone we missed when we were talking about our Desert Island albums. And I know it's somebody that really could have been on the list for either of us. That's Mr. John Mayer. And our spotlight this week is his brand new album, Sob Rock. Ten tracks, really going with just a one of the greatest marketing schemes for an album in the past decade truly doing the old school like 80s marketing route and just seeing some of this stuff has been such a joy to me at least like the way that he's promoting this um you really just got to go check out his instagram or whatever and you can see it all but really great and uh yeah i love this album yeah, I think it's I mean, I think it's super solid. With with John, it's it can be tough because he set the bar so ungodly high. True. That it's not like it's his best album, but I mean, I could just yeah. I mean he's 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 the best. Very much agree. It's it's no in no way is it his best album, but God, does it feel good to listen to a cohesive album again, doesn't it? Agreed. And it is it is very cohesive and it's only 
I don't have it here, but it must be like 35 minutes or something like that. So it's very easy to listen to the whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole thing through. And and what's great is that while it is cohesive, it does have it does have some different sounds on there that maybe you feel like shouldn't go together, but it all works. A hundred percent. Oh, man, there's I, I'm trying to, you know, some of my favorite tracks. I just got to drop a couple. I love yeah. Last Train Home, the, the opening, the opening jam. I think my favorite song right now is Till the Right One Comes. Oh, yeah, um, nice. Shot in the Dark. I really lo- love every single track, but you're right. He does. He gets some different sounding stuff in there. I feel like overall the entire album has an, a bit of an 80s 100%. undertone. Dude, Last Train Home feels like you got Rick Rolled. Like when you first put on the album, you're like, holy shit, what decade? Literally. I had two different people that listen to Last Train Home and hit me up and was like, yo, I thought it was a cover at first because it sounds so much like it's like a hit from the 80s. And Carry Me Away sounds very 80s to me too. Agreed. Like it'd be playing at prom in the 80s. Yes. Oh, Which is great. I mean, I'm down. So great. I'm so down. It's just such a vibe. Like I, I put it on... So right now I am uh, on a little trip out of town. And so I've been doing a lot of driving and I put it on in the car a few times and it is such a good driving album, like yeah, such a good yeah. road trip yeah. album. Actually, that's yeah. I'm heading on a little trip on Saturday. I might have to do the same. I think you may. And uh, yeah, it's it just I feel like it's got a lot for everyone. It's a bit of a... Uh, if you're single or you're going through a breakup, as usual, John will will help you through because I feel like this definitely can uh, hit the heartstrings. I know my brother's been listening. He's single and uh, he's been really connecting with the lyrics. Shout out, Dylan. Uh, bottom line, it's, it's John Mayer. The man does it all. And if you haven't listened to this album, you need to go do it because it's sob rock and it's fantastic. 100%. And right before we jump in to top five Desert Island movies, just a reminder, join our Patreon if you'd like. You can get the link on our Instagram page at Top Fives and Deep Dives. There's an, a lot of awesome bonus content on there as well as you get a personal shout out on the podcast. So if you'd like, check that out. If not, and you'd like to contribute in a way that is free, you could really help us out by going to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star review. It really helps us get noticed. We really appreciate it, guys. All right, let's get to Desert Island movies. Mike, start us off. Let's go. Um, okay, my number five, and to some extent my number four, but my number five is very sort of on the nose. I wanted something survivally that I could watch, that I feel would help me to survive. So I went with 2006's Rescue Dawn. Very interesting choice. This is a Werner Herzog film, which is, it's a narrative film, but he also did a documentary earlier in his career about the exact same subject, which is kind of weird. This stars uh, Christian Bale. Uh, also, Steve Zahn in there, in obviously a dramatic role, which is cool. And Jeremy Davies, who I think is from Lost, right? I you know he's in Justified, but he's in he Lost, He is indeed right? in Lost. Okay. Daniel Faraday. 
Yes, exactly. And one of the producers of this film was Elton Brands, the basketball player. Did not know that. Whoa. So there's your fun facts. Uh, yeah, and this is about a um, sort of German-born but American pilot shot down in Vietnam, and he is in a POW camp in uh, Laos. But he escapes eventually. And yeah, so there's a lot of... So he is in the jungle for like maybe 40 minutes. So there's like some good like jungle survival stuff that he does, like making a fire, which I feel like would be helpful to have as a reference. Um, and there's a few other things as well. But I think for me, uh, well, pause for a second. So I'm huge into like Survivor Man and like Bear Grylls and that type of shit. And like I, I like low key could see myself becoming a prepper like over time. Um and one of the things that they always talk about is like just staying focused on like improving your shit to like stop you from kind of losing hope, if that made any sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what Christian Bale does in this movie so well. You know, when he's in the camp, he, you know, he finds a nail. He he makes, uh, you know, he gets like a piece of glass and he uses it as a mirror. He comes up with like little tricks they can do like mentally to keep their, um, you know, the spirits up and stuff like that. So I think he's he that mindset would be helpful uh, for me to have on the island and watching this film, which is a film I, I quite enjoy, is is sort of my reminder, you know, to get myself in the right headspace. Wow, we definitely approach these lists differently. <laughs> definitely, some of, some of mine are less on the nose. Four is kind of in the middle, but yeah, I wanted at least one like this. Okay, okay, I respect it. That's just, wow. I was not expecting, I was not expecting this. I will say as we go into my number five, I think the main way that I approached my list, I obviously, I thought about all my favorite films and as I was going through them, I thought, what do I really care about? And I think what I came down to was, I want some of my favorite movies. Rewatchability is my most important factor. I'm going to be on this island possibly forever. It needs to be films that I can rewatch and that I won't get bored of. And with that said, I then need to hit a couple different genres, but I want it to be stuff that will get there, but light's not the right way to put it, but I don't need personally anything crazy heavy or like bleak or like I don't want to try to entertain yourself exactly yeah okay so with that said my number five 1993's Jurassic Park okay this is this is so so Jurassic Park's not on my list but this is so weird because I went through like a, a brainstorming process of all kinds of different films and Jurassic Park made my list and I have absolutely no idea why. So I I would love to hear why it's on yours. Wow. So first of all, in prime me fashion, this was an absolute last second slot in as of about five minutes ago, as I was freaking out over my list because I wanted to, I wanted this one in there so badly and one of mine just wasn't feeling right. Like, I love the film. I'll I'll reveal it at the end. But this felt like it needed to be in there. And here it is. And I'll tell you why. So when we get to the rest of my list, 
you'll see what I have. But I wanted, I was thinking about a lot of things. I was thinking about, I wanted a big adventure sort of blockbuster movie. When I think of Jurassic Park, it's very rewatchable for me. I could throw on Jurassic Park at any time when I'm just like doing something like Jurassic Park's on, I'll usually sit and watch it. The score is incredible. Like the, you know, the, the sort of theme will say it's amazing and it invokes a sense of wonder. I was thinking about just when I saw it as a kid and how it made me feel and just being on a deserted island. I was like, you know, they're on an island in the movie and there's dinosaurs and I want to be able to remember dinosaurs <laughs> and what they look like. And it's just a very well-rounded, well-fleshed out action adventure, summer blockbuster and great characters. I mean, you've got my main man, Jeff Goldblum, you know, Samuel and Laura Dern kill it. The kids are great. Samuel L. Jackson, we get a little Samuel in there. And it's just, it's about as, you know, about as fun as the movies get, in my opinion. So it just, I don't know, there was something about it that felt like I need this movie. It's, it could just hit the spot at any time. There's, there's definitely something instinctual about my list, and I'm sure yours too, where like, you'll only be able to explain it up to a point. Yes. You know, you just have to look inside and see what you're looking for. And then you come up with Jurassic Park. But it's insane that it kind of made both of our lists. Incredibly rewatchable film. So, so fun. I, I agree. I could watch this literally at any time. And honestly, Lost World. I could watch Lost World pretty much any day. Agreed. Well. And even, even Jurassic Park 3, while not a good film, I'm a big William H. Macy guy. So, yeah. It's not bad. Uh, it's not bad. Not bad at all. But yeah, great, great fucking film. Super entertaining. One of the all-time iconic blockbusters. Amazing ride. I think, what is it, Universal? Yeah. Fantastic ride. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't I can't fault this. This is a great film to have on no matter where you are. Action, a little bit of comedy. I mean, you get Samuel in there. Incredible. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> And there you go. That's what's going to close. Yeah. <laughs> Job done. Um, oh. oh, boy. Okay. Number four? Number four, baby. Okay. My my number four is, is it, it's kind of survival-y, but that's not exactly why I picked it. Um, so I'm veering off, and my list will go. It will go full, Mike. Don't worry. It's it's We're going places. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Uh, so this is 1971's Walkabout. I've never heard of it. Oh, I've fantastic. heard of Walk about the Lost episode. Of course you have. Um, <laughs> Lost is coming well, up a lot good. in this episode. You, you will very much like this film, so I'm happy to pitch it to you. Ooh. And it is a Criterion film. It's just not a lot of people have seen it. It's directed by Nick Rogue, um, who has a fantastic early career and then mostly makes bad films, except for The Witches, which is a film I know you like. Oh, yeah, Which is from what, 1990? Yeah, 1990. Um, this is his second film. Um Starring Jenny Agater of American Werewolf in London fame, but this is 10 years earlier. And David Goldpill, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he is in another awesome film called Dark Age that everybody should see. Okay, that's out of the way. So Walkabout is about like a teenage girl and her younger brother who's like, I don't know, maybe like 10-ish. And they are English and they are kind of out in the Australian outback with their dad. And suddenly their dad has intentions of like murder-suicide and tries to kill the kids. 
and doesn't successfully do that, but ends up killing himself. So now they're stranded in the outback, you know, in like school clothes. They're, they don't have any uh, no knowledge of survival or Australia or anything really. And they're just wandering, trying to survive in the outback, which is like one of the harshest environments on earth, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they run into an Aboriginal boy who is on walkabout, which the movie explains is like a process uh, whereby at 16 years old, Aboriginals will have to go out for months and survive on their own in the outback. And this kid is obviously a legend. You know, he's he's spearing kangaroos. He's getting water. He knows perfectly how to survive. Um, and he kind of tags along with them. And this being, you know, sort of a 70s art film, there's not all that much in terms of, say, story that happens after that. Um, so the two things, the two reasons I picked this are one, it very much addresses like the different attitudes towards nature that, you know, like say modern society has versus people that live closer to it and how, you know, the very same thing can look, you know, totally like charming, enchanting, and you can kind of work with it uh, if you know what you're doing versus like how modern society has no fucking clue and just sort of destroys nature. And I think that's the, an appropriate mindset that I want to have when I'm on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second is just that there's very little said in this movie because the boy that they meet doesn't speak English. Um, so they can't communicate with him at all. So the more times you watch this movie, the more time you have to think about it, the more you can get out of kind of um, what relationships they have, what they're all seeking, what the characters are thinking, what sort of communication and human behavior is all about and it's a really deep movie and it just gets better the more you're able um to watch it so that's my number four walkabout wow i definitely want to watch it again for me it sounds like a lot for a movie when i'm stranded on a desert island potentially depressed but i'm very intrigued to watch it i think it sounds like a great film this this is not the most depressing film on my list Jesus. Now, now, now that you say that. Jesus. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, my next film is anything but depressing. In fact, it's hysterical. It's 2005's Wedding Crashers. Oh, nice. Okay. I did think that it would be helpful to have like a broad comedy. So, yes. go ahead. It's, it's, you, need, you need to laugh. You need to laugh. All right? You need something that can make you laugh and that's going to keep doing it over and over and over again no matter what. So... Wedding Crashers, one of my favorite comedies of all time. Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, legendary cameo-ish, maybe a little more than a cameo from Will Ferrell, Christopher Walken, Rachel McAdams, just a fucking legendary comedy. Uh, Also sort of a rom-com at the same time, so you sort of get a little bit of a double dose of, of genre, and... If you don't know what this is about, I mean, the long the long and the short of it is that Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn play these two guys that always crash weddings, and they meet a couple girls uh, at one, and things things go out outward from there. I don't think there's really any reason to, to describe more of the plot, but it uh, and Bradley Cooper, of course, how could I forget? Uh, crab cakes and football—that's what Maryland does. Um, it's just so fun. It's so funny. The amount of quotable lines is just, I mean, it's endless. And I 
can just watch this movie over and over and over and never get tired of it. So I, I figured if I want a comedy or two in there, this has got to be one of them. Yeah, great pick. My list is missing a big comedy. Uh, I wish I could have included it, but you have highlighted a weakness of my list. There's Ooh. another. I'll see if it if it shows up in yours. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Wedding Crashers is incredible. I debated films like that. I debated Super Troopers. I debated Super Bad. I debated Happy Gilmore. Like just searching for some sort of big broad mm-hmm. comedy. All great so, choices, so kudos, by the way. Kudos for that pick. Thank you. Okay. Oh, and wait, before you say number three, I realize with Jurassic Park, we never mentioned Steven Spielberg. How dare we? Shout out to the main man. I mean, he needs our shout out. He needs he it. He doesn't have enough. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> um, I apologize. Get on with your number three. No, no, no. Uh, so my number three, I'm actually about to break ground. Whoa. In the pot. Something we've never done before. What haven't we done yet? We have not said any documentaries, I don't think. You fucking nut job. This is the most Mike thing to do ever. What? Oh my god, wait till you get to my two and one if you think this is the most Mike thing to do ever. Oh my god. You can lose your shit. Oh um, my god. Okay. Oh my god. I am going with the 2011 documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Oh, you know what? As much as I wanted to just dive into you and just give you shit for picking a doc what a great doc to pick wow thank you yes i've won you over okay chiro dreams of sushi directed by david gelb um he does like the that chef's table show on netflix and the street food show and maybe something else anyway those types of things on netflix and this follows um jiro ono who is a sushi chef um in japan a very old sushi chef and and a master of sushi as much as anybody can be. Um, and there's another part of the documentary that's about his kids and kind of, you know, inheriting his legacy. And it's super interesting, but this is, this is a, a two parter for me on why I picked it. One, I'm on an Island. I think I'm going to have to eat a lot of fish and I would like any lessons I can get in the preparation of fish. Very practical. Ooh. Number two though is, this film is all about how Jiro is 100% in every way devoted to making the best sushi. He, at the, he's, at the time at least, he runs a three-star Michelin restaurant. They go through the meticulous way. He does everything, takes into account every small, tiny detail. And really, we don't know or, or, or we're not led to believe that Jiro cares about anything else but sushi, honestly. And I think... When I have very little to do because I'm alone on an island, I think another helpful thing that I will take from Jiro and try to apply is just sort of doing the simple things as well as you can and being content in kind of just whatever I'm doing, gathering coconuts as well as I possibly can and not sort of thinking outside that um, and just staying, staying focused. What a fucking great pick. Yes, I've converted you. You converted me. Yes. First document. We haven't talked about any docs. No. Sometimes we just we take them out of our lists, right? This is pod uh, first. Specifically. Yeah. And what Hero Games of Sushi. First oh. first doc. What a great doc to be the first doc featured on featured on the pod. I mean, what great reasoning. Honestly, the only downside I can think of, can I tell you the only one, Mike? I'd be so fucking sad that I couldn't eat sushi. 
What? I can't eat sushi. I'm I'm by the ocean. Sure, you could you could make some you could make some sushi maybe. And there's like that. Scene you could have where some he's sashimi. Like massaging massages the octopus. That's good skills. True. I didn't know you had to do that until I watched Jiro. Oh. I mean, the guy's a fucking legend. And obviously, you and I, we both love sushi. We both love omakase. Oh. I wish we could. I don't know if Jiro is even still alive, honestly, because he was like 85 a decade. If ago, he somehow but... is, we're we're assholes if we don't go in the next like year. Yeah, we have to do. It. But to be fair, I did try to go to Japan last year, and then this whole pandemic thing happened. I admittedly went to Japan and was too broke at the time to afford the meal, which is very sad. Well, I don't, I don't blame you. It's probably like it, at least three hundred. I think it's right? four hundred bucks, if I remembered. I looked it up. I looked it up. Um, if I went back now, I, I mean, I would just have to do it. It'd just be one of those. Oh my god, Jiro is still alive. Oh my god. He's going to turn 96 in October. Dude. Must see. He's just he devoted just, to his task and he's living forever. This fucking legend. Um, big shout out to Jiro. Big shout out to Jiro. What a great pick. What a great pick. I love it. Well, that's your number three, right? Well, I mean, it's hard to top Jiro. But my number three, when I was going through this all, I, I realized there was a movie that I'm not going to say I haven't given it enough credit in like the scope of my own favorite films, but I just think I had it slightly too low on my all-time list because I think really it might be one of my favorite movies of all time in sort of going through all these films this past week. And I think it's the most rewatchable action film of all time. And it just hits a few different things for me and that's 1988's die hard yeah i mean can't argue with die hard let's hear it no so die hard bruce willis directed by john mctiernan tiernan you've obviously got alan rickman as hans the bad guy <laughs> and you've got uh reginald Vil johnson who's awesome uh and anyways die hard great christmas movie as we all know but yeah it's it takes place in just one building, crazy action film. Uh, Bruce Willis just absolutely fucking kills it in this. And I watch this, so I watch I watch Die Hard every year around Christmas. I'm a big Christmas guy, and I'm a big action guy, as as anyone that listens to the pod knows. Mike and I both are. So this movie just holds up so well. Uh, it's always a blast to watch. It's another movie in the vein of Jurassic Park that like, if it's on, I can just watch it. It doesn't matter when I can sit there and watch this movie at any time. And I really wanted a good action film because I, I love them. I was thinking like, which ones have I like, I was thinking about a few others that I really like. And I was like, eh, like if I watch that one, like I'm good for like a year. This I could watch. I could watch more than that. And on top of it, it can bring a little bit, a little bit of Christmas to the island for me because I'm a big Christmas guy, sneaking oh, a little nice. Christmas. I like that a lot. So I figured the combo was just too good to pass up, and it it just it really, really, really is like. I remember when I was watching it uh, this past this just most recent Christmas season. And just thinking like, fuck, man, like I truly could just keep watching this movie on repeat. Like it's so good. Hans is such a good bad guy. 
Bruce Willis as 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 John McClane is just he's an all time an all time fucking character, and this movie just slays in every way. All the action scenes are great. It feels fresh, even though now we're you know thirty plus years removed from it. But uh, yeah, Die Hard I had to have it on there. Okay, you've highlighted the second weakness in my list, oh. which is I wanted something actiony, and specifically, I wanted something sort of like one man triumphing over the odds. So I debated The Matrix. I debated Gladiator. I debated Enter the Dragon, probably my favorite martial arts film of all time. And I just couldn't get any of them on the list. But very well played. I had this thought, and yeah, my list is missing it. Oh, I'm sad that your list is missing both of these. It's too bad we couldn't be living on the island together with 10 movies. That would be helpful. That, or just not stranded on an island. That's, that, that, that also could help. That also could help. Even more helpful. Also, just very quick aside, did you give any thought to how we're watching these films? Like, Do we have like a portable DVD player? or? I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's a good point. I like to think that we have a projector. Like that's we're what projecting I was thinking. 30, 35 mil and we've got like some sort of screen. And we're just kicking back on the beach. Yes. Drinking a fucking beer while watching these movies. Okay. So that's that solves that question. Okay. We've brought a projector and five reels or five films, I should say. More reels. And an unlimited supply of coronas. Yes, obviously. And and hallucinogens. Yes, of course. Um, of course. Okay. Yeah, this list is getting progressively more, Mike. Oh, God, here we go. Number two is, some may argue my most depressing film. I'm not going to make that argument, but you could you could say that. It is 1997's Taste of Cherry. I don't know this film either. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I thought about putting this on my driving list, so I'm glad I can bring it up here. This is an Iranian film by Abbas Kiristami, who is a great director. If you haven't watched a lot of his films, he receives high praise from, you know, Martin Scorsese, Jim Jarmusch, some guys that you may have heard of. Unfortunately, he died tragically about five years ago. So very sad. But he made this film. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Um, And basically what happens in this film is it's a man who's driving around like the suburbs of Tehran and he is planning to kill himself and he is looking for someone to come bury his body after he does it. I know how that sounds. That sounds very depressing. But essentially he meets these people along the way and they I, I can't really give away the ending because it doesn't end in a, a clear way. But he, he may or may not sort of be inspired to to not do that, you know, based on the things that they say to him and then it ends before we know know what choice he makes um and for me this film it actually ends up being one of the most sort of life affirming films there is i mean it's really about you know what makes life worth living to the extent that it is i suppose for the main character um and there's one character especially that he meets that just talks about how like eating eating a fruit effectively just that simple act um, can be so enjoyable that that it truly makes all of life uh, worth living. And and the end of the film, I I'm just gonna copy what this this reviewer shout out Matthew Lucas. This is what he said about it: is 
It's as if the film was on the verge of revealing all the answers of life itself and then pulls back at the last second, returning the mystery to the audience. Mm. And that's truly how it is. I mean, it just, it kind of leaves you with this. Yeah. It's just totally open to thought. This is one I'd love to just sit around and think about if I had nothing but time on my hands, but also if I do slip into a bad sort of mental state, this film can absolutely kind of get me going on the right path and just be happy to be alive, even though I'm stranded. Okay. I can get by. I obviously haven't seen the film. I'm intrigued. I want to see it now, but I like that. I really like that explanation. And I think you need something like that in case you do drop into a funk it could happen. Yeah. You know, this is going to be out there for a while. It's going to be a long time. So to me, this sounds like a really good pick. I like this. Okay. Nice. Wow. Okay. My number two really needs no introduction. It's 1994's The Lion King. Okay. One of my favorite films of all time. And I debated whether or not I was going to have it on the list, but ultimately I thought, of course I'm going to have it on the list. I, it, it knocks so many things off. You've got anima- an animated film. Because it's animated, because it's talking animals, it's there's a sense of wonder with the film and that childlike sense of wonder. And I like that that's included. Also, it's a musical. So you have all these wonderful songs. And I know, you know, Mike, Mike I know, loves The Lion King too. There's all these wonderful songs in there. Hakuna Matata, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Just Can't Wait to Be King, Circle of Life. You know, be nice on the island to be able to sing along to some of this stuff. And a lot of this stuff has a bit of a jungly island vibe to a degree. Mm, nice. Okay. And again, I just love I love the movie. I can watch it quite a bit. You know, if I want to get hit in the feels, maybe get a little cry on. We've got Mufasa dying in there. If I need a little pump up motivation, remember who you are. It's just this this movie's got it all. It's got it all. I love it. And again, I can rewatch it. And that's the most important thing to me. And that's why I picked The Lion King. I mean, no, no fault there. It's it's literally impossible to find a better film than The Lion King. It's it's a true story. You said it best. They're not out there. Sorry. Lion King's the best. And I mean, if you need an epic film, you need James Earl Jones to be a voice in one of your films, and we have him here. That's I like that because even though Simba has friends, you know, he wavers. Yeah, he tries to find his own way, and he needs James Earl Jones from the sky to help guide him. And I feel like you, you know, you can take guidance from James Earl Jones, and you could, you could do worse. That's for sure. Agreed. James Earl Jones should just give guidance from the sky, or or from the land, really, in like every film. I truly could not agree more with that. Field of Dreams and this. I mean, he's just. Coming to America? I mean, he's just such a, such a wise man. He is. Sandlot? Oh, shit. Sandlot. God damn it. <laughs> what, a, what a fucking legend. All right. I digress. My number one. Wow. Okay. You're going to have to stick with me on this one, Tan. This is arguably the most Mike pick of all time. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I will be able to sell it, but it's going to take me a minute. So stay with me. I'm not ready. This is a film I've wanted to talk about for a while, one of my favorite films, but it's not exactly fit any of our categories. And then it just sort of came to me that this is literally the perfect film to have on an island for me, obviously. And that is the 1975 French slash Belgian film, 
Sean Dealman. <laughs> just no. Just stay with me. No. Stay with what? Me. Stay with me. Okay. That's not even the full title. The full title is even longer and it's French, so you don't need to hear me say it. Um it's directed by Chantal Ackerman. Uh this is basically I don't want to say it's one there are other characters, but it's really just focused on one person whose name is Sean Dealman, and she is a woman played by Delphine Sayrig, great, great actress. Um, and this film, I'm going to be careful about what I say because I don't want to frame anybody's interpretation of, of kind of the meaning of the film. I just want to prepare you for what you're going to see because some of you may not like it. And that includes you, Dan. Okay. Because this film is 100% static camera shots of a woman basically just doing her daily shit. So like she cooks dinner and she does the dishes and she makes coffee and she goes to the bakery and that's, and it's three hours and 20 minutes long. Uh, explain please why this fucking okay. movie is getting picked. Okay. This is because it's a fucking fantastic film. Number one, number two, this film is, there's literally so much meaning that can be taken from what you see. Again, I don't really want to tell you sort of my interpretation necessarily, but it's not hindered by the fact that it's so simple. It's, it's aided by the fact that it's so simple and it reveals all these fantastic truths about life um, and kind of what it means to you, what it means to the character. And it's, it's really, really an incredible film. But purely on a surface level, I really, really wanted something that was like a hangout film. I wanted something that would make me feel the closest to being sort of not alone per se. Got it. And this isn't this isn't really that. Like I wouldn't necessarily call this a hangout film, but it's also like the ultimate one at the same time because you literally just hang with this woman and watch her do dishes for three plus hours. And I absolutely love it. It's totally enchanting in that way. And this would be the film that I could just it's amazing to watch the whole thing throughout, but the more you can focus on it, the more you can think about it, it gets even better. And then also I think I could just put it on and kind of walk away and come back and be like, Oh yeah, she's making dinner on day two. Nice. And then just sort of check back in later. And it's like, I have someone around me, even though I don't. Okay. I look, you sold it. You sold it. I get why you want it. I get why you picked it. I, Obviously don't know the film. I need to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I think everybody should see this film, like especially if most of your film watching has been like on TV or at the movies and you're in you're into sort of standard Hollywood fare. Not I'm not I don't mean that sound like a bad thing. I'm just saying like art house can definitely get super pretentious. This truly isn't that. And you should everybody should give us a try to just see some other stuff that's out there, let's say. I think my most surprising thing about your list is I feel like it's a lot of like heavy shit. I'm I'm alone, man. I've got time to think about shit, you know? I've got to be pondering. Don't you want to laugh sometimes I, or just feel entertained? No, no I don't. I want to get to work. You oh know, I'm going to think I, I wanted to pick some films like I, this isn't why I picked this, but I initially had a lot of foreign language films and I was like, well maybe I could like learn said foreign language if i'm on the, the islands long enough i can just find some other shit to do wow he doesn't want to laugh he's alone he doesn't want to laugh 
Okay, maybe maybe that sounds bad. That sounds bad. I'm it's scared. not that I don't want to. I'm scared. There's individual funny moments in my films. I just didn't want to devote an entire movie to just laughing. Okay. Okay. But okay. I could see why it's it would have been good to have. Like I said, that's the big one of two glaring weaknesses on my list. Okay. Well, without further ado, talking about laughing, it's going to be a big component of my number one. Arguably the most rewatchable film of all time for me. And a movie that there was no question had to be on my list because it's it's the ultimate comfort movie for me. I can quote every fucking line. It's 1994's Dumb and Dumber. Oh, wow. Okay. Dumb and Dumber. Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels are Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn. And the, 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 the general plot line is they're dumb. They're best friends. They live together in this small apartment in, in Providence, Rhode Island. And Lloyd, played by Jim Carrey, falls in love immediately when he meets Mary Swanson, who he's driving to the airport. She leaves a briefcase in the terminal at the airport. Lloyd goes and grabs it. He wants to go return it to her. She's in Aspen. So the boys set out on a road trip to go to Aspen. And it turns out that it's really ransom money in there because her husband has been kidnapped. So the two people that were supposed to pick it up start following Harry and Lloyd and just so many hilarious moments and hijinks ensue. But truly nothing makes me happier than watching this movie. If I'm feeling down, I can put on Dumb and Dumber. It'll cheer me up. And it's got a great soundtrack. Such a great underrated soundtrack. So many laughs. And I think, you know, if I ever truly was down while on an island with no one, I know this one's going to make me laugh. And that's that's really what I need on an island. I need things that are going to cheer me up, things that are going to make me feel good, feel good movies. And Dumb and Dumber is at the top of the list. Years down the line, I may come to appreciate your list more than my own. Like if I'm out there for that long, I may truly need to start laughing. After like a year, I feel like you're going to be like, fuck. (laughs) I like your list a lot, though. I mean, Dumb and Dumber, what can we say? We know you love Dumb and Dumber. I, I certainly think it's good. It's it's not up there in like my all time faves, but it's it's very good, and I've probably seen it because of you more times than I've seen it on my own. Amazing, amazing. And it's yeah, so many good little gags in it. Classic, classic comedy. <laughs> yeah, excuse my friend, he's a bit slow. The town is back that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the what is the Austrian Australian line? The uh oh, that's a nice accent you have there. New Jersey, Austria. Oh, wanted to get another shrimp on the Bobby. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible, yes. incredible work. So good, thank you. Okay, that's our top fives. Should we should we recap real quick? Yeah. Um, I'm number five, Jurassic Park. Number four, Wedding Crashers. Number three, Die Hard. Number two, The Lion King. And number one, Dumb and Dumber. I'm five, Rescue Dawn, four, Walkabout, three, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, 
two Chase of Cherry and one Jean Dielman. That's J E A double N E D I E L M A N. I want people to look it up. I can tell you without question, today's list is the most Mike list I've ever I've ever seen in my yes. life. Should we go for the full title of Jean Dielman? You want to hear my rudimentary friend? Yes, 100%. Because it's even more ridiculous that I'm using the colloquial title to try to sell it, but it's actually Jean Dielman, Vantois, Quai du Commerce, Mille, Cartrevent, Bruxelles. Oh my God. Wow, you fucking crushed that too. Uh, I'm sure some French speakers like, no, he didn't crush it at all. True. That was my French. And there's me. I'm like, yeah. Agreed. The most Mike list of all time. Most Mike list of all time. Incredible. Let's let's do some honorables. Start us off. Lead us off, baby. So yeah, I've given a few. Um, another one that I highly considered was Run Lola Run. Have you ever seen that film? You know what? That's one that I'm. Uh, it's probably criminal that I haven't. I've meant to for many years, and I haven't. This is one. It's it's kind of that same sort of triumphant feel where it's like sort of. I mean, that's not really what the movie's about, but it, I could repurpose it for be like. Sort of not giving up, keeping going, while also being a super entertaining kind of action-y film. And I also feel like I could learn German if I had this film, but that's just me being silly. Um, I thought about like sort of survival movies like Jungle, that movie with um, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that either, and I've meant to see that. It's, it's pretty solid. Uh, and I like Daniel Radcliffe as an actor a lot. Jeremiah Johnson, which is kind of in that range, but it's just a film I really, really like. And I think I didn't pick anything horror-y because I just assumed being stuck on an island was horror-y enough. But I did decide if it had to be anything, it would be Suspiria, which is certainly the most sort of visually interesting for me. Okay. Yeah. I I also did not have a horror because of the fact that I was like, do I really want to scare myself while I'm alone on an, on an island not really personally i don't think so i don't think you need it no so i'd say for me i had a big list of like potentials but i'd say some that like really um so the one that i swapped out of the list at the last moment was point break oh nice which i love and like keep getting keanu on there would have been amazing and it's such a fun movie and i can watch it quite a bit but i can't watch it all the time I'd say that's one for me that I could probably watch like every three to four months. But like I was trying to zone in on movies that like I could hypothetically watch every month if if need be. I mean, maybe more, maybe every week, given that there's nothing to do. But Point Break, definitely close to getting on my list. Uh, And then a few that just like are movies I love that. I considered, but ultimately figured there's just not enough rewatchability for me. Was Pulp Fiction, The Matrix, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Swingers, Bad Boys 2, That's My Boy, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Anchorman, American Pie. I was thinking, ooh, maybe I want to get like a high school set movie in there. Super bad. And then uh, either the Home, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2. Those, those were all ones that I considered. Interesting that we both thought about the Matrix. Very interesting. I mean, for me, it's like that's one of that's probably. I don't think we'll ever do this topic just because it's like too, like broad. But Matrix is like one of my top five movies of all time. So I think that's why I thought of it at first. But then I was like, I was like, yeah, but like when I watch the Matrix, it's like sort of. I mean, it's it's very futuristic, obviously, but it's sort of like 
a very bleak view of the future, even though it's very like cool, like how they envision it. Yeah. And I was like, eh, like if I watch it, like it's awesome. But I probably would be like, yeah, like I, I, I can revisit that in like six months to a year. Honestly, that's the perfect representation of our lists to close it out because I was like, I'm into the action aspect of it, mm-hmm. but then I was mostly intrigued by pondering like the sort of bleak philosophy of the future that it presents. Okay. So it's a fun, yeah. It's, <laughs> Which so may, again, maybe is not the right move, but that's that was what Bro, drove me. you're getting so bleak. You're gonna. I'm worried about you on that island, dude. You're gonna fuck. But it kind of works out in the end. Keanu just goes crazy and sort of saves everybody temporarily, yeah, kind of. Yeah, and then he plays sort of. Rage Against the Machine while it ends and fly. Then he, then he can fly, sick. and you can't fly, bro. No, that's that's true. Maybe if I just sort of imagine, you know, like I think I could. I think what I thought is that I would be able to develop the powers that he has in the Matrix. Like if I just picked up sticks and tried to pretend they didn't exist and bench them, that I would sort of eventually over time become the one. It's like when, <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, maybe you could become the one. I did, I literally, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, but think about the chills you'll get every time when he fucking, what is it when he's down in the subway station? He's like, he is the one. And then yeah. just, oh man, so fucking good. Wait, what was your first honorable again? Point Break. What about after that? Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, we just came out or a few weeks ago, by the time you hear this, with our Tarantino-focused episode. But I think Tarantino is a pretty solid bet. You're getting long films with, you know, big moments of action, lots of comedy, really clever, really rewatchable. I think that would be that would be a smart pick as well. Agreed. I think if you wanted to go something a little bit like more into like a director you really love, I think Tarantino would be one of the best choices you could make. Agreed. Very, very solid choice. Thank you. Well, okay. Yeah, that was honestly, we can always look back on this episode as like a perfect dichotomy of our thought processes when we go into every episode. Yes. Yes. This is fantastic. This really was. I loved it. Well, guys, thanks, thanks for thanks for coming on the journey with us. We hope that you've been pondering your own life on a desert island. And yeah, you know where to find us: top fives and deep dives on Instagram, top dives on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. It's a big episode. It's going to be our fiftieth episode. So get ready. Shit's about to be crazy, and we can't wait to see you there. See you guys. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantino. Hold on to your butts.